Peace be to you. In the Calvin Bean. Let us begin with a question. Hi everyone and welcome to Curacy Catholic, the Evangelion podcast. Sharing in the mission to light the fire of Christ in the hearts of Catholics by sharing the truth of our faith in a compelling manner. In this podcast, we're going to be picking the brains of Catholic enthusiasts to try and get to the bottom of how to live truly as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Melangeri, and in this episode, we have none other than Joshua King joining us. How's it going, Josh? Hey, it's good. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, me and Josh are pretty good mates. Uh, he's my uh, anchor in the Exodus 90 fraternity. How's that going, Josh? Uh, it's pretty tough. Um... It's not. It's like my fourth rodeo now, and uh, three times prior to becoming Catholic, first time Catholic. So I don't know if that makes wow. a difference, but um, kind of know what my faults are, and it's it's, it's good. I, I really uh, appreciate the spiritual growth that I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is your fourth rodeo, but this is the first time with me as an anchor. So uh, yeah, you've got you've got got a lot going for you this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's always interesting. Every time we've done it, or we've done it twice together now, have we? before this one uh but not as each other yeah i feel like i feel like we've done it three times before because i was you were doing it one time when i wasn't but we were hanging out a lot yeah 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 yeah. and you'd done it the year before so it was Mm. yeah it's quite it's quite interesting um yeah so now we're doing it together and give each other a hard time bunch of uh crazy guys so um probably deserve each other i think (laughs) (laughs) um so you mentioned just then that this is the first year you're doing Exodus 90 as a Catholic. Now, we often end, start each podcast asking the question, are you a cradle or a convert to Catholicism? The answer seems to be there. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, what would you like to know? <laughs> it's a long journey story, I guess. Uh, I became a Christian. I would... So. I was a Protestant, I guess. I never saw myself as a Protestant, such a weird term, but I would just see non-Catholic, um, never, not not any particular denomination. Growing up as a child, my parents grew up, uh, or well, raised me uh, primarily in this sort of Pentecostal background uh, with Life Church, um, and they came from Christian Life Center in Australia prior to moving here when I was born. And Christian Life Christian Life Center in Australia is Hillsong Church now, so. Um, that's kind of my background. My dad was the music director of Hillsong Church when it was CLC, um, built the whole music director team up, got involved in starting the Hillsong conferences, run workshops, and then he left that church just as they were taking off and they sort of put their band together and stuff. Um, yeah, and then I kind of, I grew up in Christian Life Center, went to uh, some Presbyterian churches after that when my dad I no longer did the music directing there and he was sort of just moving around churches doing music directing um and we went to presbyterian couple presbyterian churches uh and eight assemblies of god church or sort of a disconnected non-denominational assemblies of god which is also sort of a evangelical pentecostal background um and then i ended up in an anglican church when i uh, got with my wife at uni and she was a cradle catholic so yeah, so you, you were brought up in a Protestant kind of background, and your dad essentially started Hillsong, um, <laughs> but then left the organization before it became Hillsong. Um, so I guess you know because you mentioned a lot of different denominations there. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't too broad a denominational uh, range. I guess um, you have Pentecostal, Presbyterian, sort of evangelical still pentecostal really and then anglican so these are kind of the backgrounds uh of i guess churches i went to um none of them were really strongly reformed theology which is you know your strong theological protestants they will usually have that kind of a background typically if they're um well educated in the bible and opposed to catholicism they tend to have stronger arguments against catholicism i would say um but the meme versions all come from I would maybe fundamentalist evangelical is what I would say, but uh, yeah. So, what was your uh, perception of Catholicism growing up in those? Yeah, you just, I mean, you kind of don't really think too much about it, really. I mean, I guess my memory of it would be, oh, that's just that massive cult that's kind of like, you know, dominantly 
nominalistically owning most of the Christians in the world, but that's because the world's coming to an end. And, you know, the Bible talks about the few that remain. And so those who aren't caught up in all the religious religiosity of the, the massive cult and all the other many thousands of cults that are around. Um, and, and I guess like you just kind of put the pieces together for yourself growing up where you just hear, I guess, meme arguments or just random false points about Catholicism from randoms now and then about how they believe in um, saved by works and different things like this. And you just sort of think, well, I guess the church just kind of went off the rails at some point they took on too many things went a little bit wacky um then you had you know vague ideas of the indulgences and stuff and trying to sell your salvation to people and and, and saving people who have died etc these are the things you hear and you just kind of go well yeah it's just that it's just like jehovah's witnesses but or just like mormons or they're just like the super religious odd version of christianity um but you never really question it right because every single person you know it's just obvious to Mm. everybody that it's it's false every single denominational church you go to it's kind of like are they weird even if even if you interact with maybe strong liberal type christians as opposed to more conservative christians they're still going to even though they might have sympathy or really appreciate certain uh, spiritual expressions of the catholic faith um they're still going to talk and and make little quips and jokes as if yeah they're weird which is what you Mm. what you sort of just think about other cults so yeah you do have this sort of it's a bit of a cult uh type attitude Mm. um so when you you said your your wife is a cradle catholic so when you met her were you like i need to get her out this cult no not really um you know i i I talk to everyone about spiritual things wherever i meet them just because i don't know i just find it really interesting I've always been interested in why people think the way that they do and why they aren't Christian or uh, why they, you know, what what they think about Christianity. And of course, with the Catholics, I would see it the same. I'd be like, you know, Catholics, what do you think about Christianity? Because <laughs> I sort of, not that I didn't see them as Christian, just that I, was, that I would see them as um, weird Christians, maybe. So when I met Natalie, we just have yarns about spiritual matters like i would with my muslim friends like i would with even atheists you know if they said anything that sounded somewhat spiritual i would make analogies to christian ideas that might um connect with something they're talking about and she thought i was crazy because i she was like who's this guy that talks about spiritual stuff that's was wackadoodle and um mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then of course she fell for me of course and uh, <laughs> the rest is history <laughs> And, um, yeah, I guess she, well, the thing that I actually fell for her because I felt like for the first time in my life, I'd met someone who talked about their relationship with God in the same, in the same way that I experienced my relationship with God. It was very like personal, just like I could talk to God, like my mate every day, but like someone who, you know, who was my God in every way, but it was like, he was there like an older brother in a way who's there looking out mm. for you and you would you might just be just talking to god every day about random things just like sharing how you feel about things like you would with your older brother walking down the street or whatnot and she sort of talked about her relationship in that way and i was just like wow this is amazing like this is awesome i love this person and uh, also she was like i always just thought she would be the most amazing wife as uh mum as well to like my kids so i was really attracted to that and then there's this other guy you know who was hanging around and i was like oh i better like get in on the whole boyfriend status thing quickly while she's not hanging with that other dude otherwise i might miss out and then (laughs) then the rest is history yeah so that's cool that's cool so was it your wife that uh, eventually brought you over to the um no um yeah i i guess she had she definitely had a very um, well-practiced Catholic faith and a real personal, intimate relationship with God. Um, but I, you know, we were together for four years before we got married, and she ended up feeling like, oh, maybe it's it's probably okay to go to a non-Catholic church. And so she, we started going around to different non-Catholic churches together, and uh, we uh, eventually, like, I don't know how many years that would have been, oh, man maybe six years or seven years together uh, in non-Catholic environments. Um, 
but yeah i definitely would say her faith her connection with god and her relationship with god massively struggled in protestant churches and i couldn't really understand why we'd had lots of discussions about it but it didn't wasn't clear to me and mm. then uh, i basically yeah completely independent i didn't know any catholics really and she didn't really wasn't able to give me the kinds of explanations or understandings of what is going on with catholicism um in terms of practices in terms of what's going on in the mass and i, I was like okay well this just feels weird to me i can't really participate i don't know what's going on so and yeah but so it wasn't like she was a catholic person who i knew who i could sort of go to and ask questions and get all this information from you know but yeah i just eventually became catholic through um another crazy journey and then i was sort of pulling her back saying hey let's go to a catholic church and she's like what the heck like you know yeah, man, you... it sounds like a bit of a whirlwind tour for a yeah for, it's for your, for your wife there it's a long yeah a bit of a whirlwind um but yeah i think you know since we started going with the catholic church she's um really i mean she's sitting right next to me so she's listening to me like talk about her this is a bit awkward but not really we're pretty open and honest um and i think she <laughs> i think she finds my representations relatively fair um yeah the so so hand um <laughs> uh but yeah so uh yeah so it was a bit, it's a bit hard i think for her like feeling challenged by whatever that means you know me becoming catholic she's i think she said with the last thing she would have ever imagined is me becoming catholic and then like our firstborn son being baptized it's like i remember that day she was just like she's like i never could have imagined this ever happening and i think that's what she wanted you know um before we the early days or from her partner in life but she'd given up on that like within a couple years mm. or so when, when she yeah, sort of yeah. decided you know god's still present in the um non-catholic churches and um and came and we kind of moved away from that um i think she'd given up on all that and so that was like a that was a milestone that was like that was kind of groundbreaking that day um i think spiritually for her and for both of us in a way um mm -hmm. so yeah edward my son was baptized like in may i think and i was in march of 2021 right okay yeah well there you go mate so that's really cool so you got baptized like really close to your when your son got baptized so that means like as a protestant you weren't baptized nah yeah that's um i don't want to be a whole too harsh because i don't know <laughs> i don't know whether that's just like um a byproduct of non-denominational pentecostal churches whether they're just not i think there's like a strand of theology within sort of not super theological denominations um which believes you know once you believe in your heart and, and, and you've received christ into your heart that or like you've given your life to god given your life to jesus that that the spirit that you know the holy spirit will then dwell in you and, and and have effect in you and that it's that part of your life that saves you it's it's that trust and that um once once you're saved it's like you're a christian now uh mm. whereas it's not quite the same in catholicism you can be saved and not a christian not a christian um so yeah so it's it's quite interesting you can be yeah there's this sort of like these distinctions that are made um just because it's this like well-developed theology um a very good understanding of what all these terms mean a lot of it's just sort of like grammar like do you even know the dictionary bro like <laughs> that okay, you know yeah, the yeah. theological dictionary like do you know what you're saying when you say things um yeah i mean but like general vibe words you know that the, the common person's theological language is still like good enough like s quite significant enough to, to have a really deep you know connection to god in many ways um god's grace is definitely extended far beyond um many of the religious um not not religious well religious yeah is the correct term but not in a kind of the way the secular people say the word religious but you know god's grace mm. is often um quite extensive in its ability to affect and deeply draw people and change people and grow people um beyond say just this beyond the sacraments though the sacraments are like extremely powerful and, and 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 the normal means of god's grace um 
I think like for someone who's had really deep connections with God outside of the sacraments, when they come into the Catholic church and then experience the sacraments, they, they kind of bring a lot of that with them into the sacraments and the sacraments can have an, a profoundly deeper effect on them than they might on many Catholics who participate in them. Um, but it's very mysterious. I don't think we know what <laughs> all the things that are going on when we participate in these. So mm-hmm. I just stopped there mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't want to get into problem areas, I guess. So you became Catholic. You got like welcomed to the church in the last uh, in the last year. What was it that made you think actually, you no, know, Catholicism's way forward, and then made you want to get baptized and fully enter into like the sacramentality? Because like when you think about, I mean when I think about like, you know, Hillsong church and Pentecostal and evangelical churches, I feel like it's about as far away from like the Catholic church as possible. Um, they have like, stereotypically they have better music. Uh, they've got better community, uh, more outreach programs. Whereas typically, you know, in, in the Catholic church, it's kind of like a, um, sometimes it's a bit of a drab parish and it's, you've just got the sacraments. So if you don't know what the sacraments are, you don't really get much out of the, you know, everyday parish life so what yep. made you want to leave all that exciting stuff and uh go and join the the, the church oh, the exciting stuff's a bit overrated i think i mean you can always get um hype and hype is great um but you know there's a lot of religions that have hype you know <laughs> there's a lot of spiritual expressions that have hype that are not christian um and you, you know these things they are really great for an early start for like a baby Christian, you know, I guess like in the Bible, it talks about having milk and then we need to start eating solid food. And I think God's constantly drawing us to a deeper spirituality and constantly drawing us into more holiness and more growth. And we just yearn for it all the time. We yearn to learn, we yearn to grow and yearn to understand the things that bug us. And I think that eventually you find that once you're eating candy, for too long or once you're eating like you know you can have the most delicious cake in the world be amazing great dessert but you eat it every single day it's every single meal you're going to end up being like i want something more and when that group can't give you something more when there's nowhere to turn and you just go to a different church different denomination and then you find that that one is you know it's got some other stuff but then that one becomes it's like having hot dogs every single day you know you're like oh this is so much better it's meat it's got sauce it's like savory it's not sweet anymore and then you're like, you know what? I feel like throwing up this hot dog and like, what else have we got? And and no one can point you to anything significant. So you go to a different church. And I think um, that's what, it, I think that's something that's I've experienced in a lot of churches. And it's part of, I think it was a big part of my growth towards understanding Catholicism as being like a place where an appreciation for all truth from all denominations are recognized and and not thrown out and i think when you're within these other denominations and you you kind of meet these little clicky groups within your church they tend to you know throw out other spiritual expressions throw out other denominations as being um wacky or being like stiff or being wrong or being just just wrong and like not the, the way forward like just and a lot of people often have this attitude, oh, I've been there, I've done that, you know, that's that's like the, the weak Christianity. Um, but in Catholicism, I think there's a push and a strong emphasis built into the whole church that every expression is valid and every expression has a, a, a key component to expressing the Christian faith, the Catholic faith. And you can always ask questions and there's always answers to turn to. Um, and that, that whole facet was a big part of the journey to catholicism but if you the simple what made me become catholic is really uh i walked into the catholic chaplaincy at the university of auckland when i was doing my my ministry work there and i thought you know what i'm just going to ask questions to these guys because i'm someone who's doing ministry at auckland uni and i'm out i i ask questions and i help people to know god and grow closer to god so i can go and talk to these culty people and I can ask questions about whatever they think they believe, things that seem weird to me. And I can just, you know, just have fun, like asking questions. And I'm going to help them grow to closer to God and out of whatever weird religion they may have. But I didn't understand what religion it was. I just had questions. And suddenly I realized 
these guys are awesome. <laughs> these guys talk about theology better than anyone I've ever talked to. These people are so open. They're not super educated, but they, the answers they give make sense. And my objections dissolve when they give their answers to just trying to understand what they believe. And mm. I kept going through that journey because I enjoyed the conversation and I was just sort of amazed at this, this community there of people who were so sold for the truth and yet not, they weren't, you know, intellectually theological, like hardcore analytical, haven't come out with arguments. They were just talking casually and the stuff they were saying was just so comprehensible and made sense. And I was asking, I was asking questions about things that I thought didn't make sense. So that journey just kept going and going and going. And mm. I think about a six months to a year in, I had a strong feeling that, you know, Catholicism was going to turn out to be true. That I was, I was slowly building a case for it and I was slowly building uh, sort of a worldview that, of Catholicism. Uh, and anything that I had an objection to, I kind of sort of wondered. Every time I learned a new objection didn't exist and my understanding was wrong and the actual understanding made was fine. It was just a matter of whether it was true or not. Every time that happened for any particular issue, the case for Catholicism would keep growing. And um, yeah, I, my doubt towards the objections to Catholicism were growing, even though I hadn't asked the questions yet. And eventually, and every now and again, like you would say, hey, why aren't you Christian? Bro? Why aren't you Catholic, bro? And I'd be like, yeah, 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 I know, I'm thinking about it. But it was good because, you know, just you asking me that maybe every six months. <laughs> kind of um pushed me to actually think you know i, I believe mm. <laughs> i accept a lot of these catholic ideas as being the best expression of christian understanding mm. um I, I think i had a lot of catholic perspectives well before becoming catholic anyway because i was not reformed yeah. at all I, I was really i really felt there was a lot of holes and a lot of unexplained oddities about reformed theology and anyone mm -hmm. who's reformed listening to this might um they might grind their gears because they think I'm just, uh, I don't know enough or something. And that's fine. I'd love to have a conversation with them. But frankly, um, yeah, I, I, I was more of a sort of Molinist uh, theological perspective on, on matters of uh, free will and our relationship to God and salvation. And that's a big point for Calvinism and Reformed theology. And yeah, so that really helped. And I just, yeah, every, every, it was quite weird, actually. I think there was maybe two or three times where I really started asking myself a question. I feel quite comfortable with a lot of Catholicism right now. Why am I not taking steps further into the community, further into a deeper exploration spiritually, further into accepting certain mm. teachings I think are correct? This would happen every now and again. And I think there was about two or three times where I had like quite a substantial, I, I've made a lot of sense in my head, but I hadn't, um, committed in my heart in practice or mm. in, in sort of participation and i felt challenged by that and i would it, it was around times i would get sick I would, I would be sick for a week or get a cold or flu or something and i would have these i would i used to sleep a lot i would sleep all the time whenever i get sick i just sleep all day because it was faster recovery and i found that i was having these weird dreams about me arguing about theological issues or just weird dreams that I can't even remember anymore that were spiritual dreams, like about spiritual things and about me questioning or me becoming Catholic or taking steps forward or, and then me being like, yeah, but there's this issue. And in my dream, I would be like, that's not an issue. And hmm. something would happen where I would really deeply realize that this actually is, has no problem whatsoever. There's, there's no issue here and I'd have nothing to be afraid of. And then I'd wake up and I would be like, it's almost like I'd taken the step from that point. I'd wake up and I was like, yeah, this is not a problem. And I felt completely satisfied. And I was sort of, mm -hmm. then I would start doing more things. I would start participating more, going maybe either, either that was like going to mass or maybe, maybe it was like praying to saints on occasion, or maybe it was like mm -hmm. um, doing a divine mercy with you guys at the chaplaincy mm -hmm. or um, doing Exodus 90 or and then eventually there was a stage where I was like, okay, well, what, what does it take to actually become a Catholic, you know? And then mm. spending sort of six months trying to coordinate and arrange that um, with Father Chris, the chaplain and priest at the time. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so, like, you're talking about, like, your experience of, like, how, like, it's really, like, it's kind of miraculous in a sense, like, just the idea of, like, you had that 
inkling is that I'm just going to go in here and start talking to the Catholics because you so you had a ministry which I think will get well you involved in a ministry which was like an apologetics uh, ministry and so like asking questions is part of what you do there and yeah, so like probably an essential to the core of what we do and so we you went into this uh, you were like okay I'm going to get these guys out of their like religiosity which is incorrect and you ended up going deeper yourself and that was like just a a really cool like initial point and then i loved how you um as you were talking about it you were like okay i guess i'll just you had you talked about like you know having that feeling that it's like okay this is right so i'm just gonna carry on hanging out here um and you just so like you you could see the spirit moving in like how you were talking about it and then you know god works in you know mysterious ways you got sick and then he started talking to you through you in your dreams <laughs> <laughs> you know and then yeah it's just really beautiful and i suppose it's about you know what you surround yourself with and if you're actually seeking truth god will kind of honor that in a way and he like he did with you yeah i, w- I would have to say you know uh, it was like a two to three year journey um from the point mm, of first mm. walking into the chaplaincy to the to the day i got baptized right um, yeah. I would say I was fairly fully Catholic, you know, six months before I got baptized, but now it was still, yeah, you know, up to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I remember, well, actually I've lost my train of thought now, but <laughs> it's, it was a pretty crazy journey. It was a crazy journey. Yeah. For those uh, listeners that didn't quite make the connection, that's when me and Josh met. He started coming to the chaplaincy whilst I was a chaplain. And I kept on asking my my the one question I ask everyone that's not Catholic that comes into chaplaincy. So why aren't you a Catholic? And see if they've got good enough reason. And apparently Josh didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now he's a Catholic. So just ask people, all you out there. Um, so let's get into let's talk about like um, well not not necessarily talk about your ministry, but talk about like apologetics. So you working in apologetics? How long were you working in apologetics for? Oh, yeah. um, I think I've been I think I've been doing working with this apologetics ministry for six years now. Mm. Uh, so basically, that is. And so, so uh, a, what what of, is apologetics? Uh, yeah, what is apologetics? Yeah, these are good questions. Um, apologetics is basically it's it comes from the Greek word apolog- apologia, which basically means a. Uh, sort of legal reason to defense for something and uh, it comes up I think first Peter 316 I might have that wrong but uh, it's basically uh, always be ready to give an answer for those who ask for a reason for the hope that is in you and the word answer there is also could be translated defense or it is what the word apologetics is and Mm. it's basically saying you know if someone's it's sort of in the context of persecution and it talks about doing it with deep reverence and respect for the one asking, but it's, it is the context of persecution. And if someone's challenging you, you need to be ready to give some kind of defense for the hope that you have, and that might save your life. And um, you talk to any lawyer, they'll tell you that, or any Christian lawyer, they'll tell you that you need to win people when you're making a defense. It's not, mm-hmm. uh, my argument is uh, logical, you know, uh, smackdown proof and you're, mm. you're going to be compelled it's like no you you need to appeal to the person's humanity reason's part of that um but when you make a defense uh, that, that's what you're doing because when you think about someone who's attacking you or coming at you is going to kill you and w- what can you say for why you believe what you believe that will satisfy them and that's really the crux of apologetics mm. particularly christian apologetics if you do it with compassion reverence and reverence for the person um, you're really trying to satisfy them and I would say you're really reassuring them and so mm. when, and you're you know this is why questions are so essential because when you're reassuring someone how can you you have to ask questions you have to understand where they're coming from what their issue really is and then just mm. reconcile uh, reconcile where you're coming from what you what you understand and what they think of you and how they feel about life in the world um, mm. and that's really just a matter of exploration. You just have to be able to explore. You don't have to have arguments. And so we do mm. a lot of training in the ministry that I worked with. Um, we we did a lot of uh, training around asking questions, around being a good listener, someone who listens and really takes 
at face value what people say and, and where they figures out where they're coming from and does that relational process yeah mm. i really liked what you said right at the beginning there about how you know apologetics isn't purely about reason and logic but it's about winning the person because i think I, I know i definitely had this perspective of apologetics i was like oh you don't need you don't need to be apologists you need to evangelize people and to me those things were different in in my head and i think trent horn makes a distinction but basically i think there's this attitude about apologetics where it's people like laying the smack down with the arguments oh you think that oh well i can quote thomas aquinas and he says something against that and often thomas aquinas is the the mic drop uh, that people use it's kind of like oh well you know in the summa theologica la, 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 so you don't have to believe that anymore <laughs> win next one uh and like so you get this attitude mm. of apologetics where it's a case of it's just cold hard legalistic you know here's the facts deal with it but you were saying that it's you know that isn't apologetics uh those people probably aren't doing a- apologetics well well um, they're not doing christian apologetics um, okay. You can always use take the word in isolation. Oh, the word means defense, and in the context, it's a legal defense. That's what it means in Greek. So therefore, what does that mean? I can be an ignorant person who's not a lawyer and think I know what that means. I can just be an mm. ignorant person and think I know what that meant for the Greeks at the time. You know, like what the heck would I know? But people do that, and yeah, they think that oh well, it's just about about winning the argument and proving your point. No, um, Christianity is very clear that it, you have to revere Christ as Lord and you're following him and sacrificing yourself for others in your whole walk as with Christ. In the, and that's actually part of the, the passage, you know, um, revering Christ as Lord uh, and then also then having a reason for your hope and then doing all of that with deep reverence and respect for um, care and gentleness for the person that you're speaking with, even in the context of persecution of you, right? Um so when you're not in the context of persecution, you know, apologetics isn't running out and just arguing people into the faith. You know, people have to ask a question. They have to be interested in something you have to say before you speak. Otherwise, you're not doing apologetics, mm. I would say. Um, but yeah, when you are training yourself so that you can be a better apologist or so that you can provide good apologetics and maybe help reconcile somebody in a more efficient or a more effective way, when you're training yourself, yeah, sure, you're going to need to know all the kinds of objections to your faith, all the you, you don't have to, but you're going to be studying that content. That's what you'll be studying. You'll be mm-hmm. studying what are the objections to my, to our faith? Uh, what 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 makes people offended by our faith? What do other belief systems actually believe about the world, and how does that mm-hmm. contrast against what we believe about the world? And it's really just most of the time you're just trying to understand how other people think. It's really what you're doing mm-hmm. when you're studying, um, and as Christians, where we follow the God of truth, really, um, you know, mm. you can talk to a pagan and be like, yo, we follow the God of truth. Our God is the God of truth. You know, if there were mm. one um, in your pagan community of gods, that's who our God is. Our God is the God of love as well. Um, and you would just then being the God of truth and the God of love, you exemplify that in your approach and engaging with someone. Um, and I don't know anywhere else in the Bible that the word apologia is used, uh, except for that context where you revere Christ as Lord and you have deep reverence and you approach people with gentleness. So mm. Christians who don't do that and are, are really into their apologetics, I would say, you know what, <laughs> um, you know, you should you should really sp- deeply reflect um, on your relationship with God. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think because another thing that puts also like yeah, there's that it, apologetics does often seem from the outside it seems cold, uh, and it and it it seems that way when I hear things like oh well that's a that's a logical fallacy or when you mentioned Molinism earlier I don't know what that is and then you talk about like all these um, different types of theologies like oh man I'm gonna have to start reading some serious books in order to be able to start doing apologetics, but. Um, I don't think that's the way you need. I mean, if you if you've got the brain for it, by all means, you know, learn re, learn reformed theology and why it's wrong. And then when you meet someone that has that perspective, you go, "Oh, you're reformed. Oh, you believe these things, right?" And you can take it from there. But like you said, you started your faith journey by saying, "I'm going to go into this place and start just start asking questions." Mm. So what? So and that 
would that constitute um, apologetics? And also, what were those initial questions that you were kind of asking? Well, I mean, yeah, my Catholic journey uh, would just be the standard types of things that you hear. Um, why do you pray to the saints? Why do you worship Mary? I didn't say, why do you worship Mary? But I would say something like, why does it seem like you worship Mary? <laughs> I think that's a pretty hard, that's a harder thing to respond to. Um, I would always ask my questions in the hardest way possible. Um, mainly because the hardest way possible isn't a point to like get one over someone, but it's really just, it's really a, more of an, it's more of a genuine exploration. The hardest things to answer are the most genuine explorations. This is why little kids' questions are really hard because they're just genuinely interested in the deepest parts of their experience as a human. And like, who can answer that? Um, mm. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think you would come, I would come in and I would, I would ask these questions out of a sense of this thing just doesn't make sense to me. And I want to understand it. And you, and this really connects into that thing you were saying about, oh, I have to learn Thomas Aquinas or these arguments or like learn what reformed theology are and the points and how, why it's wrong. And then go, Hey, you believe this, right? You believe that, right? It's like, nah, that's, I would never do that. I, I think nobody should do that. <laughs> I think, you know, it's good. It might be good, useful in a very like specific context to understand some of the core parts of what a reformed theologian believes or, or just a, a person who goes to reformed church might be being told, um, and so you can sort of understand the way that they think, you know, if, if, if I talk to you and you feel like I understand you, how, how much more are you going to be interested in what I say? So, mm. um, it's not about saying, oh, you believe this, right? Well, that's wrong. Cause blah, blah, blah. It's about just, do you, do you make someone feel like you understand them when you talk to them and do you clarify what they say and what they think and you say, um, oh, so you go to a reformed Anglican church. So, um, you know, what do you, what do you think about this topic? And you might say a, a typical reforms topic and let them tell you their version of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, this whole approach is really based on the idea that if you are a Christian, you follow the truest thing in, in existence who, or the truest being, I guess, but not a being, but you follow truth and you follow the essence of truth because God is the essence of truth. And so you don't have to be afraid of anything because if it's not true, it's like it doesn't exist in reality. And so if it's not, if it doesn't exist in reality, how can you understand it? So your approach to breaking down arguments and, you know, you know, when you made the point about there being fallacies, you don't, you don't kind of go into a discussion and go, oh, that's a fallacy. It's like, I mean, if that person really appreciates the concept of a fallacy and is really committed to avoiding fallacies and they make a textbook fallacy and they know what you're going to say when you say, oh, well, how is that not just this fallacy here? And even that, the way I said that sounds really gracious or, or gentle in the way I said it to someone who respects mm. those words and understands that way of thinking. Um, yeah, then by all means say that. But otherwise, the way you presenting a fallacy to someone is typically done will be, oh, I don't really understand how in one case you say this thing, but in the next, but then you say this other thing and I don't get how they make sense together. Can you help me? Mm. Can you just help me wrap my head around that a bit more? And then you just talk around it and people will just think their way out of these sort of weird things, positions that they hold, or they'll just kind of end up being a bit bewildered and like, oh, I don't know what to say to you, bro. Um, and then you go, oh, okay, well, then I don't really know what you're saying then. And then you move on in your friendship and then this happens over and over again. And mm. I think people slowly begin to feel like they'll start asking you questions. And that's when you're really like, wow, that's cool. When someone starts asking you right. questions and then you can just share your own testimonies. Yeah. Cause that's, that, that's another point you made of like, you know, you can't really uh, approach these things until someone is interested and wants to know the answer to something. Uh, and so like, I was going to ask you, in a bit about like uh how do you get them interested but before we dive into that i was thinking like <clears throat> i think also another perspective of apologetics is you know how you're saying it, it's it the word means defense like a legal defense and you like that's kind of aggressive almost because like someone's coming at you and you need to defend so it's like almost like okay i need to i need to take this guy's knees out and i need to win this argument because when you de when you're defending you're not defending to lose, right? <laughs> so, uh, like, how do you avoid, like, I guess in yourself, because, I mean, that's where it comes from, like, how do you avoid that uh, desire or 
feeling of I need to win this argument or that feeling of that kind of aggression. I wonder if the feeling of I need to win this argument is really based out of fear and self-preservation. Um, when you feel like the foundations of where, why you believe what, what you do are sort of breaking around you and you don't know where that's going to lead, you don't know where you're going to end up, you're like, oh my gosh, scrambling to pull the pieces back together. And so your defensiveness mm. gets up. And defensiveness is not what's meant by apologia, like, you know, and but but making a defense, making an argument, persuading somebody um, are all very <laughs> taboo things in our culture, in this culture, particularly New Zealand culture. So that's <laughs> like I can understand people being quite offended by that. But my mate, who's a good lawyer, um, who really just articulated the true Christian apologist perspective, and he was doing it to reject apologetics to me when he was talking to me, which was so ironically awesome. You know, he was saying essentially that you need to make your view compelling. You know, how do you make what you what you believe compelling to somebody? And that means mm. they feel compelled within themselves. And if you're like, oh, I'm going to win this argument, I'm going to slam them into the ground. That's not compelling. That makes people defensive. That makes people put off you. And mm. if you think merely within the context of that scripture, where the passage comes from, which is in the context of persecution, how do you make, how do you make, the thing you're being accused of and the thing you're being threatened, having your life threatened over, compelling enough to the person who's threatening you so that they don't kill you, right? You're not going to just like go, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably going to kill you. So um, there's a real um, tact of appealing to the people you're engaging with. And this is why I said initially, you're appealing to the people's humanity, every aspect of it beyond, not just reason, but meaning and value, like all of our reason is, is used and, and put, to put to work for understanding and making better sense of the most meaningful parts of our lives so that we can live a more meaningful and more um, significant life. And this is what reason is used for. This is what science is used for. This is what everyone is driven by. Um, so reason is good and it's an essential tool, but uh, meaning and value and human experience is what you're appealing to in every person. Um, reason being one part of that human experience. I don't, sorry, I lost track of the question. I think I was just. No, I think that's that's that, that's a good point. It's like so. What we need to do is, it's more about getting to know the person and weaving apologetics into that. Because um, I think like our, our situation is, uh, I don't think we're going to find ourselves. In a situation that you are in, where we're walking around a university campus, we see a Protestant chaplaincy, and that I'm just going to go in there and start asking questions. It's more likely, you know, we're in the break room at work, or um, we somehow get into a conversation in a supermarket, or probably less likely that, or like a, a family member or something. And like, so how do we bring the faith across in in a compelling way that's not going to turn into an all-out argument it's not going to turn into like a an attack and, and defense kind of thing um and it's about that so it's like okay it would be easy with a family member it's like because you know them but i suppose the 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 result is um we need to talk to the person ask questions about them to work out questions about themselves like like why are they asking this question mm. um yeah, but I suppose, yeah, how do we get them to ask that question in the first place? Yeah, so I think, you know, anytime you get an opportunity to talk about spiritual matters with someone, you should try. And I think because you care about their life and you might just be saying it because you have, there's an idea in your life that you've learned that relates to something they've said that you think, hey, you know, maybe they, maybe this will encourage them. You know, there's a lot of people who say they're of one religion, but they really have a kind of like mishmash of religious spiritual beliefs. And so you can present a, a key aspect of your own faith and spiritual belief as sort of something that perhaps they could take on board, um, particularly if it's an idea that somewhat relates to something they're talking about, something they're struggling with, something they're thinking about. So I think it's just being curious and, and interested in what people say and think and just, yeah, having a conversation with them. And what will happen is eventually you you may find yourself disagreeing over certain things. And if you just ask enough questions about what somebody thinks and just sort of do that process of, oh, but this doesn't make sense. And I don't see how you reconcile these aspects of life together with what you just said. And just let them talk. Eventually they'll find themselves unable to answer certain questions. And as a result of that, 
they will naturally just ask you questions. So now they're asking you questions. Now they're asking you questions and you have an opportunity to give, you know, whatever whatever that those questions allow for, uh, whether it's mm. an aspect of your testimony, a testimony to the deep connection you have with God, the deep connection you have with a certain aspect of the way God relates to you. Um, maybe it's a, a, some somewhat of a testimony to the gospel in some sense, um, and it might be more of a natural explanation. It doesn't have to be the gospel track that, you know, <laughs> takes people in and makes them Christian or something. Um, it's really just about being open, explorative, and growing. But you said something that was really interesting to me, which was, you know, you, you're not going to be, I mean, I don't know, you, you might, um, but it, maybe it's not as common for everyone to be walking around campus doing Christian ministry and then walking into a, sort of a, a chaplaincy opposed to their own theological beliefs and then start asking questions. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But you may find yourself hanging out with some of your Protestant friends, going to some of their small groups, maybe going to a couple, um, you know, Christian, non-Catholic um, worship. Um, and uh, what I would say is that I think for a Catholic getting into these environments and just asking questions about what Protestants believe or asking questions about um, why do they not hold to, why do they not believe in Catholicism or, or like, what do they believe? Why do they believe this weird thing? Like you say, you, you have like some position that you think is weird about what they believe in. I think the problem you're going to find as a Catholic is that Catholics are not like super strongly anti-Protestant. And there is no clear cut teaching of Protestantism that even Catholics can even go, hey, that's weird. Why do you believe it? This is something mm. all you Protestants do. Why do you all do this? It seems weird. But when you go the other way, yeah, Protestants are all going to have these sorts of things that they say about Catholicism because there is a uniformity. There's like some aspect of unity or uniformity within Catholicism, which is the sacraments and, and a wide range of ideas and theological practices that are across all the all the different orders of, of Catholicism. So, so the, um, I think it's not you're not going to have the ability to do what I did going into a Protestant community mm. because Protestant communities often what they profess as being a great truth that they follow uh, are very often things that Catholicism accepts and, and agrees with. And perhaps I would argue Catholicism has an ability to articulate to a fuller and larger extent in a more beautiful way. Um, mm. So what if you try and do what I did in the reverse, you're probably going to find yourself just agreeing with everything <laughs> the Protestants say and yeah, um, yeah. going, yeah, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, would you say maybe it might be a better idea to ask them things like, like, why aren't you Catholic? Or why don't you guys revere Mary? Uh, because then it's it'll bring up all the stuff perhaps. that they they've got. Um. Or just perhaps, do you want to pray a rosary? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, how do you get them sort of challenging you? And that might be hard for you, you know. Like, if you if you understand mm. why Catholics are afraid to kind of engage with protestants who are going to be like can you believe all this weird stuff and then you're like oh now i have to give them answers and it's like yeah yeah, yeah well yeah. maybe that's why the scripture says always be ready to give an answer you know um because <laughs> you kind of as if you have the truth you kind of have to give the answers in a sense um mm. but if someone's not searching then yeah it's, it's it's hard to explain that i guess um i'm not too sure exactly how you would i, I think the thing that's important for catholics yeah that's, that's what i was going to say that when you go in to hang out with Protestants, you're not going to go in asking tons of questions, expecting to pull them out of their culty ways. I think that you're going to be grasping at straw. You're going to be like sort of grab, trying to grab, catch the wind. It's, it's not going to be super effective. But what is going to be super effective is being super Catholic around them <coughs> and just hanging out with them and being a really great witness to Christ in your Catholic walk. Because a lot of them think, you know, you're a Catholic, you must be part of some culty thing, you don't really understand the gospel, mm. you don't really understand Christianity. And if you just hang out with them and just literally say what you believe, they'll go, whoa, you actually are a Christian. That's so weird. And then mm. every time they tell you about what they think, you go, yeah, I agree. And then you talk about it with them and they're like, what? How can you agree? You're a Catholic. You're supposed to not agree. And what you'll find is Protestants are more defined by how they reject Catholicism, more so, like far more so than how they believe in something that's wrong. I don't think you'll find that. The things that they believe that are wrong are the things that they say Catholicism is wrong about. So 
um, yeah, I think just hang around with them and just have great theological conversations with them and let them see that you are a profoundly awesome Christian, just like they think of their, their, their most fondest church members or family members. And then they're like, wow, you're like as awesome as my favorite Christians within my church. And you're a Catholic. How is that possible? And they'll be curious and they'll start asking you questions. And then you're going to have to do some work that just let the natural mm. process guide you. You're going to have to go and ask some questions, find some answers, but don't just find argumentative. Don't just find logical smackdown, Mike drop Thomas Aquinas answers, like mm. actually find relatable answers and actually find compelling answers that, you know, you can say, if this is just what Christians have always believed and this is just an acceptable thing to believe, what's wrong with it? Um, mm. Usually it's, I think, for a lot of Protestants, um, if, if they don't have a strong reason to reject the practice, like, like this is obviously false or this is obviously contradictory of the Bible, their problem's going to be more like, this feels weird to me. It's, it feels too much like when I pray to God, I don't want to pray to saints, I don't want to pray to Mary. It feels <clears> too much like what I think worship is. In which case you're just mm. going to say, oh, well, then like, what is worship? Like, how do you define mm. worship? And then you, then out of that conversation might come, well, then what we're doing is not worship then, right? So, mm. so then what's the problem? And so it's always, so then what's the problem that you're always asking? As a Catholic, it's always, oh, well, what's the problem that you have given mm. that you don't seem to articulate any problem at all with what we do, but yet you have a big problem with it. So I don't understand that. So that will probably yeah, be yeah, something yeah. you do a lot more with, with the Protestant and that journey of just being in a relationship, invite them to stuff, invite them to your, your group stuff events. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah. We're Catholics. We don't do group events. We just go to mass and go home. Now, um, <laughs> I like what you're saying. The problem is, is it's way more, eff there's way much more effort in going into building relationships with Protestants than I, than just learning, rote learning a bunch of St. Thomas Aquinas quotes. That I can just bash them with which is what way unfair but um yeah so it's a lot more philosophical than it is theological it's it's kind of like uh they're saying it's, it seems like what you're doing is worship and then it's like okay so well, well let's what is worship and then we're discussing what worship is and they say well we're not doing what that is we're just doing veneration and they're like well, what's veneration okay well what is veneration let's discuss those topics and it's like you say like getting your like theological dictionary right it's like well you but, say worship's yeah. this and that's not what we're doing right now i'd probably say try not to use words that are not part of the dictionary so as, yeah, an, yeah, expla yeah. Well, as like... an explanation right you don't want to come out and be like mm. well that's just veneration and they're like what the heck are you talking what, what did you say are you speaking english yeah yeah. you know um yeah, yeah you might say well this is this is not worship like um this is just sort of revering and respecting the position that mary has within the body of christ uh, she's the queen of heaven uh, she's yeah, yeah. you know um in israel in, in ancient israel the king the, the queen of israel was the, the mother of the king um and that, that, that she was the queen so if jesus is the king right the king of the jews and the king of the church um then who's the queen uh unless we chuck out israel altogether but catholicism doesn't believe that you know obviously you could learn this these little details there's lots of little interesting details that you can just share passively that you'll just come across as you explore things and ask questions and ask the questions to, to the educated people you know that your protestant friends are asking and just explore mm. but not to give smackdown arguments just to sort of say oh well this is not that thing you're saying it is so then what's the problem that's really what mm. you want to be doing is this is not that thing you're saying it is. So what, I don't understand why you have a problem. Um, mm. And if it's just a feeling of unfamiliarity or a feeling of awkwardness or a feeling of, but my community doesn't like that, that sounds culty to me. That sounds odd and, and not open to truth. Well, there's like mm. sort of ways that you can just sort of say, you know, um, oh, so you don't have a problem with Catholicism then. It just feels different mm. to you kind of like going into mm. a chinese culture and being like oh that feels weird because that sort of means something else when we do similar things in in my english mm. culture um so i kind of feel weird doing that but i know it doesn't mean that here in china so it's okay for me to do it and you kind of become more okay with it so it's really that type of thing um and mm. it's good to try and maybe make that comparison when you're talking to people yeah 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 it's like uh, going to a culture where when they greet you they kiss you on the cheek like if you're coming from england and going into that culture you're going to get freaked out in the first instance 
but then eventually as you get more involved in that culture you'll be kissing people on the cheek all the time it's be and fantastic it's, yeah well it's gonna feel weird as well for quite a while for you um, yeah but that yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that it's wrong right mm. some cultures kiss on the lips and that might be something that takes a long time for you to get over mm. um you might just like stay out of that country and avoid those type of people <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not going there ever just, again just look kind uh, of racist to everybody for some reason yeah <laughs> Um, so what you're saying is essentially the key to uh, apologetics is exploring and being interested in Catholicism genuinely yourself mm. so that when you're in a situation where you're challenged, you're not uh, fighting them back, but you're saying, I actually thought that was really interesting and here's what I learned about it. Mm. And then, so you've already asked the questions yourself and you're seeking because um, at the moment I'm doing this Theology of the Body course based on Mary, and it's just like there's so much depth in there, and it's like, okay, I need to I need to sizzle this down, so when I say it to someone that doesn't, you know, that isn't Catholic, and or isn't even, <laughs> is only a little bit Catholic, they're not going to think I'm a freak. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to have to be that, um, that see- seeking and searching within ourselves and through the scriptures and into our own faith, so that when we're presented with, uh, concepts that don't meet up with it is like well I know that that's wrong because I'm so involved in my own faith uh, well you might just when be it... like someone might say oh but don't you believe this that and the other um, don't you believe in like you know asking saints to like do all these miracles for you and so they, he like repla- they replace Jesus and you kind of like sort of like you're worshipping them because you just like love them so much and and you ask them to do things for you rather than asking God and then you know, it's it's like they replace Jesus in your life. Like, what's that all about? I mean, even though you say you're not worshiping them, that seems weird that you're doing mm. that because it seems like worship, or it seems like an over excessive honoring of someone who is sort of not the point of your faith. Um, this is a hard a hard thing to respond to, but you don't have to say, "Well, I know that that's wrong." You don't have to know that what they're saying is wrong. Uh, you can just sort of be like, "Oh, well, yeah." I guess I sort of see where you're coming from maybe, but it doesn't, it's not really like that for me, or I don't really see, Mm. like, I'm not quite sure what your problem is, or um, I'm not too sure how to respond to that, but it doesn't seem your your assertions or your your push that you're trying to say about the way I'm behaving doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't fit quite right with what I know personally or how I experience things. Or maybe I see some people and they look like they're doing it, but I don't know if what you're saying is a correct assessment. And so I guess I'll have to get Mm. back to you. Like you can kind of just have that because that is an honest answer. That's probably Mm. more honest than saying, well, I know that what you've said is wrong or that there's something wrong with what you're saying. You Mm. can just kind of say, I'm not sure whether what you're saying is a fair representation of what's happening. And I guess we can keep talking about this and just explore it some more. Mm. Um, And that's all you need to do. Because I think that's a more natural way. And I think we should try to be far more natural in the way that we do apologetics or the way that we engage with others. And um, a huge thing to remember in your heart when you're doing this, when you're going through this, to stop yourself from getting defensive to stop yourself from becoming argumentative and to remain natural is to just have that is to just be confident about following truth and to know that, you know, wherever you follow truth, you will be following God and that, Mm. um, wherever truth is, there will be good answers and satisfying answers and reconciling answers. Um, we know enough in our faith, even as a simple Christian or a simple Catholic, that God is love and that God is the essence of all truth and that, he made all of the world and all of the universe and that we are the body of people who are most closely and accurately following him. This is stuff that is simple that we're told that we're supposed to be able to believe. Now, if that's actually true, what we'll find is that there's so many amazing answers, like almost infinitely amazing answers in every area to, to Mm. explore with someone who's asking challenging questions. So we don't have to be afraid and we can just have that simple, that doesn't i don't know that doesn't feel like it fits quite right what you're saying about my faith so mm. you know let's explore that more together um mm. and I, I can't give you an i don't know if i can give even if you know all the answers often when someone says has an objection for you it's not going to be this is this 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 and this it's going to be like eh, it kind of feels like you guys do this and that and it seems weird to me 
Now, there is no like straight answer for that, right? You can't mm. give a knockdown answer to that kind of an objection. It's, it's, it yeah, really yeah. is naturally an explorative journey that you're going to go on with them. So, mm. so just allow it to be that and just allow your own curiosities and your own questions and your own, um, you know, uh, things that you've been, that you, that you decided to stop asking about like 10 years ago and go, actually, you know, I'm going to dig that up and I'm going to start asking those questions and I'm going to find some explanations and really start growing in that area of my life for the sake of this person who's struggling to connect with Catholicism. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and like again, it's like bringing it back to the person. Like what you did when you were talking about that is uh, is saying, well, actually, that doesn't make sense to what I know, and I I, I don't think it's a rather again, it, I feel like again, it's debunking that whole thing of apologetics is about the argument and winning the argument. It's like no, it's not. It's, apologetics is about being a Christian. And if, in order to do that, you need to have that relationship with Christ and you have, have to ask these questions and seek these things out. So, um, yeah, I think, um, I suppose what we, points that we could take away from this conversation is, you know, in order to be apologists, we first need to have a relationship with Christ and that we want we need to want to get to know Christ and the church that he laid out for us which involves we have to start searching ourselves and asking our own questions. And then when we're approached with an, a counter-argument, be a Protestant, an atheist, um, a lapsed Catholic or something, it's not about saying the right thing. It's about starting the right relationship uh, where this conversation can turn into a journey. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. It's about yeah, just going on the journey with them, exploring what they say, and and being open to wherever the truth leads, because the truth will always lead to Christ. The truth will always lead to God, uh, and this mm. is something we should be convicted of in our hearts, in our spirits, mm. in our minds. And I think a lot of Christians, Catholic or not, uh, are not convicted of this idea. I think they're very afraid mm. of where things might lead. They've seen people cease to believe what they thought was Christianity. Um, but I think I would just uh, try to encourage everyone that basically anyone who's left the faith, what you'll find is that they don't really understand what the faith is. They never asked those questions. They never really fully pushed to the extent, really fully looking for the answers to those questions they had when they were younger. And they accepted certain perspectives of what their faith was. They were maybe overly simplistic. Mm -hmm. uh, and that led to a whole load of things that ended up you know contributing to their going well this is wrong this is faith this faith thing is not legit but what they're saying is not legit is not actually catholicism it's not mm. actually a true faith that god has provided for us to really gain life from um mm. yeah so it's just yeah it's just be be not afraid is what i would say mm. well that's what the bible says as well well we've we've reached our about an hour mark um so all those all of you listening josh and i are going to be doing this on a regular basis we're going to once a month josh and i are going to start doing an apologetics episode to curiously catholic we're going to start we're going to take a series of arguments that have been posed against the catholic church josh is going to present them to me i'm going to give my best answer and he's going to pull apart how i could have done it better and uh, we're going to have a bit of a discussion around it and we're going to be doing this live so you guys can interact with it it's going to be on the fourth week of the month uh on, um on a Wednesday, probably. We'll see how that works with my shift work. So, guys, stay tuned and uh, check it out. Um, Josh, is there anything you want to say to uh, sign off? Where can people find you if they want to look at um, more of your stuff? Uh, if you want to sort of check out some of the, what I would say is C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity type apologetics, uh, you can check that out at thinkingmatters.co.nz, which is the ministry that I work for. Uh, but it is sort of a lot run by a lot of Protestants. But I think what you'll find is nearly everything that's said in all of the content is very applicable to Catholic uh, belief and practice and engaging. So if anyone wants to find out more about you, Josh, where can they go? So, yeah, uh, check out, yeah, The Ignorant Catholic on YouTube. Uh, I will be interviewing many people um, who are non-Christians 
on all the contentious issues relating to the disagreement of our culture with Christianity and Catholicism. And I will be applying a lot of the principles that I've discussed today, just genuinely trying to explore them, what they believe and ask questions about things that don't make sense to me to see if we can really get anywhere. And I think there'll be some really awesome conversations. So yeah, um, look forward to sharing more about that in the future as I get my channel up and going. So mm. thanks for having me, man. There we go. No, no worries. And of course, they can find you on The Curious Catholic uh, once a month with me. And we're going to go through apologetics and start going through arguments and working out how to ask questions. So thank you very much, Josh, for joining us and everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate this conversation. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of Curiosity Catholic. If you did enjoy the episode, please do like, share, and subscribe to everything we do. We have the podcast, obviously, on all podcast apps. Give us a five-star rating and put some positive comments in there. We've got our Facebook page, uh, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. So Evangelion NZ is where you will find us. So check us out. Stay curious. Stay Catholic. God bless.